This is Life, Body, Business, Impact with Fatima. Welcome, friends. I'm so grateful to have you here. I'm your host, Fatima Ingalls, fitness expert, best-selling author, lifestyle entrepreneur, founder of the Life, Body, Business, Fit Systems, and co-founder of the amazing Freedom Retreats. My mission is to positively impact 10 million lives, to inspire you to wake up and live from your bucket list of dreams instead of waking up one day with a bucket list of regrets. Get ready to be inspired with weekly episodes and interviews that disrupt your thinking and motivate you to build your best life, body and business. To change one life is to change many. So come with me now and let's get started with yours. Hey guys, before we dive into today's episode, you have the chance to win one of three Equalizer Bluetooth headphones. Perfect for listening to the podcast, listening to YouTube or your favorite music while you're working out. All you need to do is rate and review and subscribe to the show. Then hit the link down below in the show notes. It'll let me know that you've done that and you're in the draw to win. So let's go check out today's episode. Hey there, beautiful people. What is happening in the house today? We have Mr. America and world-renowned speaker, author, dad, and hero, Dr. Chris Zaino. Dr. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Fatima. Look, we are so blessed to have you to be able to share some of your valuable time today and a massive, massive thank you for doing that because I think it's late where you are, isn't it? Over in, is it Houston? Oh, no, no. Yeah, it's 7 p.m. It's no problem. Okay, no worries. Wonderful. Well, let's get right into it. As I mentioned, obviously, you're Mr. America. Why don't we start with talking about becoming Mr. America at 21, was it? Yes, 21 years old. How did that happen? What led you to bodybuilding at such a young age? Right. Uh, So, you know, when most people grow up, they have their inspirations of people. And uh, back in the day, for most guys, when I was growing up, it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone or something like that. Uh, my dad was my hero. He was the one that inspired me because he had a great build. And I wanted to be like my dad. And uh, at 12 years old, we lived in New York and we moved down to Florida like most New Yorkers do. And my dad said, well, if you move down like I had a chance, uh, I'll get you a little gym set in your room. So I got this gym set in my room, little machine. And uh, I responded real well. And I had decent genetics, but then I found something that I responded to. So we always like to do things that we're good at. And going in school, I was starting to get an attention over that. And so therefore, I stuck to it. And I was uh, obsessed about it. And within seven years, uh, you know, eight years, rather, I was on stage winning the Mr. America. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty phenomenal. And you mentioned there that you found something that you were good at. And you found something you're good at at a very young age. Yeah. I find so many people don't find that maybe for their whole lifetime. And I guess your message around um, hero and liberating heroes. Let's talk a little bit about that because so many people don't find that thing that they're good at and are really afraid to step out of their comfort zone to find that genius. Absolutely, because let's let's face it, when we were kids, probably under the ages of, of six, look at all the qualities we had. We were, we were passionate, loving, relentless. We were all closers. We were positive. We had self-esteem, we had ego, we had pride. Uh, we lived in uh, vertical time. Everything was about now and the present, not linear, which we live in now. Uh, we questioned limitations. We were we had imaginations. We were playful. We were creative. 
we were optimistic. And the number one question we always asked was why? Right? Why? Why do I have to go to bed? Because we challenged all the belief systems that adults did never or never realize that they developed. And so what started to happen is come teachers or preachers and religions and dogmas and media and TV, it started to shape and form. We were told what to do and what to think. We were never given the abilities to truly express and explore the areas of, uh, of our love, of the things we enjoy and the things we would be drawn to, to do here. So we were, we were going to school because we had to become a lawyer or a doctor. We were doing things because our family felt it would be good to us. So you find yourself in your mid-20s or 30s not knowing what the hell you want to do, looking in the mirror, having no idea who you are because you're gonna, if some people don't realize it, but the truth is you're literally a counterfeit version of everybody else's uh, you know, imposed values, right? You're like, wow, I mean, I'm doing everything because everybody else or media or TV or religion thought this is what I had to do. And you have the secret identity. You're wearing this, this outfit, this suit that was never yours. It was for everybody else's. And still, I believe even in people in their late 20s, 30s, 40s and on, many people have never took the time to build a relationship with themselves. They don't even know who they are, or what they want to do. That's why they say, well, what do you, what would you love to do? I don't know. Because they 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 never met themselves yet. They or or that that little kid that we were that had these dreams, visions, passions. Those dreams and visions were told they were unrealistic, so therefore, not to pursue. And you forgot, you forgot. So it's all about remembering uh, that childlike uh, innate traits that we all had. Yeah, some really really great points um, there. Ones that I agree, having gone on my own personal journey, as so many of us do. But I'd like to ask you now. What was your childhood like if at such a young age you knew what you wanted to do? What was it like growing up in the Zeno household? Oh, I had a great. My parents worked together. It was great. You know, my parents would go the whole entire time, so I didn't experience divorce or anything like that. They were super hard workers. I got my work ethic, ethic from them. They worked for everything. You know, they were, they were, neither of them were high school graduates, so they were just they were self-made. They did video video business. And my dad died of cancer when I was 21, so he died when I was young. My mom is still alive today. She's 81. She's doing amazing. And it was just I had a great I had a great uh, upbringing, but I still had to fight through the negative beliefs of my parents. You know, middle uh, middle class was the goal. You know, from these two people came from poor upbringing, so middle class was great, and no one really ever even went to college. So even though they didn't pressure me about college, but seeing the way they brought up, I felt the the need that man I have to go to college. You know, this and that because I didn't want to. You know, I wanted to up up where they came from. And so, you know, I went to college. I got my degree in exercise physiology and minor in psychology. And still, I graduated four years later at 21 years of age with this degree, which really didn't do much for me. And even though I have my doctorate now, but my doctorate came later on after I went through an experience. So you said how you went through your own personal journey. Well, I went through my own journey. And a lot of times the journey isn't by choice, but it depends how you react to that journey. So I got diagnosed with an incurable disease called ulcerative colitis. There was nothing but drugs and surgery for me. That was the only options by the medical insurance driven medical healthcare systems. And a lot of people that's when it come to their health, that's the only option given, but I pursued a natural holistic route. I, I, you know, cause I believe the body could heal itself or I was told the body could heal itself from the inside out. And I went on a journey to heal myself naturally without drugs and surgery because they, I mean, the surgery options were horrible. And I was able to, to overcome it and defeat it. And so when you have an experience like that, so that's why a lot of your toughest things in life, that experience, screw the book, screw the research, your experience is what matters most. And then that experience gave me now a purpose in life to be able to go lead people towards fulfilled lives through the God-given principles and laws of healthy living and giving people their authority 
to take back. You know, really, I'm there to help people get their authority back in their own lives, to take control of their own lives, knowing that your sicknesses, your diseases, your any situation you're in, you know, it's about getting your authority back and it's really under control. And uh, it's been amazing. That's what I've been doing the last 15 years. Yeah, that's amazing. And isn't it amazing how our own personal journeys lead us onto these paths if we are open? So, so much respect to you for looking for alternative therapies and not accepting, obviously not just accepting what the um, Western medical system said you had to accept and you obviously took your own authority back. So yeah. that's where you got your passion for helping people change their lives? Yes, yes. So I got my doctorate in chiropractic. I went back to school for that. And we built, uh, at the time, one of the largest clinics in the history of the world in my profession, helping thousands of people per week. And um, it was just such an amazing journey. And you know, I'm still doing it now, and I'm doing other things in, in the health field. And But then let's talk about that. So what happens after 15 years, you know, you look back and you're like, wow, did I peak, you know, because I was more of an evangelist for health at that time. So how come, you know, you move, the, the cloud shifts a little bit, even though you love that job, there's sometimes where it's time to move on or time to do something different, evolve, not move on, but we evolve. So I think a lot of people, they get sucked in the thing like, what is the one thing they're so afraid of moving forward saying, well, I don't know what I love to do because they think it's a very singular thing. Like I need to find this one thing and I'm going to do this one thing my entire life. Some people do, but it's, it doesn't have to be one thing. It could be one thing that you're excited about now and five, six, seven years later or five, six, seven months later, uh, then the cloud moves and that experience takes you to another journey. And you're like, oh, it's like chapters of a beautiful book. So I think a lot of times people don't move forward because they think they, they're waiting to find this one unicorn idea versus not realizing it's all the, all the things they try and um, perceive fail at, or because no one really fails unless you quit. Oh, all, all the experiences is is creating uh, and molding just that next step to do. So I tell people like it's like a buffet, right? You don't know you want something or don't want something unless you try it. So if you're at a buffet, they'll try something. You'll say, well, I don't want that. Or you're like, ooh, I like that. So over time, we we have not been exposed or has have not exposed ourselves enough, and give time and different things enough to be able to say yes, I like that, or no, I don't like that. And that's so important because then you can start molding and shaping what you want to do and understanding, giving yourself the grace and mercy, saying, hey, this is my occupation right now. I enjoy doing it. And I'm also giving myself grace and mercy and forgiveness that if I don't feel like doing it, I could always rewrite the script and do something else without fear. It's such a beautiful thing. And I, one of the things I honestly believe in is, I guess it's a cliche. It's like life is a journey. People say it very flippantly and it truly is a journey to be enjoyed every step of the way with so many lessons as you've pretty much described there. What is your advice to people who are actually feeling stuck? They think they've got to do this one thing. It's not feeling right for them. And they're almost paralyzed and feel sick because they're so afraid to move in a di different direction. What is your advice to get unstuck to take that first step well first of all those feelings are not going to get better they're only going to get worse and i tell everybody those feelings going to have to get so bad that you reach a level of disgust you draw a line in the sand and you force yourself out it's almost the the the, the pain of staying is worse than the pain of going out and jumping onto some other sub uh, other substance out there that you know you could do so like whether they listen to me or not they're going to have to take themselves to a point of disgust where they're like, okay, enough's enough. I'm done. Or, and a lot of times it's money, but where am I going to get the money? It's all the hows. How am I going to do this? How's this going to work? So they, instead of getting excited about something they would love to do, once you do get excited, they, they think about all the how. 
then all the reality and all your past experiences try to figure out something that it's you're not supposed to figure out yet. That will happen as you move forward. But at the end of the day, the reason why someone's frustrated is very simple. They didn't make a decision. It's all about decision making. You have to make a very clear cut decision. Once you make the decision, then, you know, and you're not straddling the fence, just make a decision. This is the person I'm going to be with. This is the person I'm not going to be with. This is what I'm going to do. Nope, I'm not going to do this. So once you start, if, if everybody just audited their life and made some decisions in certain areas, the stress and the energy of their life would rise, that the stress would go down, their energy and excitement would rise just by making some decisions. Yeah, such such a great point. Um, again, myself, I've been at those points procrastinating, not making that decision, like pouring over it. And yeah. you use so much energy, um, good energy that could be used for something so much better, pouring over it. And then when you just step out and you make that decision, it seems that things start falling into place and working for you because you've made that decision. So really, really great point. Or something uh, happens, Fatima. You know, something happens. So like it may fall into place or you may be course correcting and, and, and being like, well, okay, that's not how to do that. And that's not like, you know, it's all, it's all data. It's all, um, it's all course correcting. It's all the, you know, it's, it's all a cybernetic mechanism basically where, you know, there's not one thing that you're not collecting information on. That's just not, it's making you better. And you just got to trust that process, you know, but, but the thing is you got to move forward. It's like riding a bike. You can't just sit on a bike right you'll fall you'll over fall you have you have you have to move forward otherwise you will not be able to balance so a lot of times we get we get listen we get punched in the face so we get you know metaphorically or we get a bad couple days and you just want to sit down like metaphorically in the ashes but then the bike's going to tip over and then when the bike tips over that's your 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 mind looks at see it reinforces see i told you this wouldn't work but it's not like you got to keep moving forward be like yep that sucked but Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try that. I'm not going back to that. I'm going to move forward. So you just keep on trying four things. And sometimes it will feel that you are working so hard and getting and it feels like you are uh, getting absolutely no return of anything. You're like, I don't I'm not learning from this. I'm not I'm not moving anywhere here. Like I'm working the hard. I, I feel I'm spinning my wheels, but that's an illusion. The process is going forward. It's the illusion that you're standing still. Everything is learning. Everything is tolerance. Everything like it's everything is patience. It's building. It's definitely you're you're not even though it feels stagnant. There's no you're not being stagnant. It's always learning. Yeah, that's um a really really wonderful point. Again, and the journey of an entrepreneur, as you would know, and so many people who are listening who are entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, that very much describes them working for their goals and having to pivot and feeling like you're going nowhere fast and doing all this work and just not actually getting there. And I guess. Um, that is relevant to exercise as well. When someone first starts on their exercise journey, wanting to get fit and lose weight, and it seems that they're doing all this work and nothing's happening, and then two or three months later, bang, the weight starts falling off and you start actually seeing the results of all that hard work. So don't give up, I guess. Yeah, it's easier said than done, right? Because um, that's why I think coaches and mentors come into play because it's a lot. it's really tough to – self-analyze yourself when you're in a funk right when you're you're, in, you're not in a good place it's tough to self-analyze and pick yourself out of there right it's, it's a tough thing to do because you're yeah it's, it, it could get tough so i empathize with someone who's going through rough times or or learning times or zigging and zagging and being frustrated you know it's it's because you're trying to see something you see things how they are but unfortunately how they are isn't what you want to see and it just reinforces 
to stop or to quit. And it really takes um, – that's why it's a good support team, a good coach, good mentors. Or surround yourself with good books or podcasts. That's why I think you don't need to pay for a mentor, even though it's good. It's like you could find uh, – there's plenty of books. There's it's, it's personally developing yourself every day to just kind of keep you – focused you know when you get when you get frustrated yeah it's really um just constantly feeding that mind like you said even if you can't get yourself a coach or a mentor financially books podcasts there's so much free information out there and if you just keep feeding your mind every day again something you know I've done I've certainly noticed the difference myself when I've had periods where the habit starts falling off and life starts happening and you start getting into that funk and then realizing what a difference it makes when you just pick up that habit that daily habit of feeding your mind with all the good stuff that's going to help you moving in the direction that you want to. So speaking of coaches and mentors, have you had coaches and mentors yourself through your journey? Yeah, I'm, I'm a, because it's accountability. And accountability is the, is the glue that makes that goal stick. So if I say I'm going to do something, I'm accountable. You know, whether and I have a, I have a thought, I call them thought leaders. I have thought leaders in nutrition and exercise. I don't need someone to tell me how to eat or exercise. I know how to do that. But when you pay money, I pay money for someone and I have to be accountable. I have to check in with them weekly. You know, it really makes me stick to my promise. Like, because if I, if I, if I didn't have anybody, I'd be like, ah, I'll eat whatever. Why? Because I'm, you know, I'm, the, I'm controlling myself here. Right. So it's tough to, to, to be the captain of your own ship sometimes. And so it's great to have someone that I know I have to be accountable to. Um, so yeah, so and coaches are really good uh, in anything you're going to. If you have, if there's coaching companies or consultants, because again, it's a, it's strictly for the accountability. It's investing in accountability. So that's the huge, the huge thing there. As far as mentors, what I like to do is, if there's someone that I'm gravitating towards, let's say I watch a podcast and and the person they interview, it's like, wow, all right, that really spoke to me today. So I'll re- I'll research them online. I'll buy all their books. I'll make a YouTube playlist of their stuff. I become a student of them. For weeks or months, you know, some people it's months, depends how much content they have. So instead of like spreading, I'll, I'll be a, you could virtually become a student of someone who has a message that resonates with you at a certain part of your life. Because there's times I could tell you I had, I would, I would consume content and books from people that were kind of really aggressive and in your face because I needed kind of an ass kicking. You know, I needed, I needed some fire. And then I could tell you there was times for months I was listening to people that were almost uh, meditative, like peaceful, calming. It wasn't grind, 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 grind. So you got to, you know, it's just, you know, you, you find people or you attract people or you'll come across different people. When you listen to podcasts that just resonate with you at the point or season of your life. And I become a student of them. And you can become a student between you get all their books, you build a YouTube playlist of all their audios. And you become a student and then you get to think the way they think or because it's repetition. Hearing it once might motivate you and inspire you, but actually applying it to where you can, like you said, it takes weeks or months of application of a certain thought or philosophy that actually starts to manifest into actual gains in whatever area that might be in that you're studying. Yeah, fantastic tip about doing um, all that study and the YouTube clips. I have done similar, not exactly the way you've done it. So I'm certainly going to change my tact. And I highly recommend to everyone listening to just take that tip that Dr. Chris just uh, offered up then and go and do that with someone who's resonating for you at the time. If you have a good relationship with yourself, do you find it easy to work out what it is that you're needing? Because like you said, you know, you needed someone um, who was really go, 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 hustle, 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 or you're at a different stage in your life where you wanted something more meditative. 
Now, the people are always, you know, throwing out all this information. You should do this. You should do that. But it really depends on what's going on for you at that point in your life. So. No, absolutely. So what was the question? So if you don't have a good relationship with yourself, we spoke about that. Yeah. People not having a good relationship with themselves because of the way they have grown up and all the thoughts uh-huh. and beliefs they now have. How do they work on having that good relationship with themselves to be able to discern what it is that they need? Well, and, and that's, that's where person, yeah, that's where personal development comes into. It's like, so when I wake up early at 4:30 in the morning or four in the morning, I get on a treadmill or I take time to meditate. It's like your personal routine in the morning is an act of self-love to you. You're taking time for yourself. You're spending time and you're cultivating the relationship that means most. It's the one with yourself. Like a morning routine isn't a morning routine just to do it. When you see it as I'm spending time with the greatest relationship of my life, and that's the one with myself. It's not with your spouse. It's not with your kids. The greatest relationship is the one with yourself. And unfortunately, many people listening, you don't even know who the hell that person is. And that might be the most underdeveloped relationship that's suffering is the one with yourself. You're like, well, that's selfish. Hell yeah, it's selfish. But without you having that relationship with your spouse, self, you're not going to be an effective spouse or parent. Like you first. So you must fill your well up first. When you take that time for yourself, it's not work. It's an investment. It's a relationship. It's a date with yourself. And that is an act of love. And your self-awareness and self-esteem and self-confidence will go up because you're doing things of act and loving care for yourself. All your morning routine. Yeah, it's one of the most important things, or I'd say probably yeah. the most important thing you could yeah. ever do because, as you said, you can't be the best spouse. You can't be the best parent. You can't be the best, give the best of yourself if you're not pouring into yourself yeah. first. They're only going to get, you know, um, a version, not a 100% version of what you potentially could be. So, yeah, Fatima, yeah, let, let me explain to you. This is a perfect example. Like the days I go out and I, let's say I eat junk, right? Food that I know that I shouldn't be eating. It's food that's sabotaging my goals. So it's like, well, if that's sabotaging your goals, you know you shouldn't be eating it. Why are you doing it? Because I'm trying to seek comfort. I'm trying to seek comfort. So it's, it has nothing to do with uh, nutritious needs. I'm not starving. I'm self-sabotaging myself. I'm not loving myself. I'm, I'm abusing myself. So when someone exercise is like oh it's not like oh i gotta go to the gym and i gotta work and eat this way to lose weight like it's a job no it's like this is this is me building a relationship with myself this is an act of love this is it's love is an act it's not just an idea only it's an act so if someone says yes i i have a good relationship with myself i love myself then they'll they wouldn't put shit in their body they would they would they would take time for themselves you follow what i'm saying like the action look yeah. at someone's actions so it's you know, every time I eat something I shouldn't, I feel guilty after it. Why? Because I self-sabotage myself and I'm disappointed that I I emotionally abused myself, basically, or didn't have it out. You know, like I, I took it out of myself, right? Like I beat myself up and I beat myself up when I beat myself up. So it's like, wow, I, I it did not help my goals. It took me from my, my – and it's a lot more. When you guys don't exercise or don't eat correctly, the reason why I say that is it, it carries on to every area of your life. You're not as confident, right? You get a little depressed. You lose self-esteem. The next day, you feel kind of crummy. So you, at work, you're not at your A-game. You're a little sleepy. You're not as sharp. You're uh, self-conscious. Like it, It's amazing how one area of uh, that you lack, I, I would say lack discipline, but lack it's not lack discipline. You lack loving to yourself that it will actually bring down and create a downward spiral in every other area of your life. Because if you don't feel attractive, because you ate a bunch of shit and you're not working out and then you don't feel attractive. So therefore you're not sexy to your partner, right? You felt like you see how it will, yeah. it will, it will transmute into every area of your life. And you don't realize it's all because 
you lacked love for you. You said, you know, you uh, you did things that went against your goals and dreams and purposes. And let me tell you, during the moment, it feels great. It feels great to drink. I'm sure it feels great to eat a bunch of junk food. I know in the moment it feels amazing. But then you pay for it so dearly. It's just not worth it. Then you get to the point where like this just isn't worth it. And for some people, like when it comes to food, you always hear about the cheat meal or the cheat day. I but hate that word. Some, I'm sorry, yeah. just putting it out there. I hate calling it a cheat yeah. meal. I know. I call it a vacation meal. And in the beginning, I tell people, unless you're ready, unless you have your personal authority back, I wouldn't do it because I don't want anything to shake that. So once you get your authority back, then it's like, great, I have a vacation meal and you can control it. You're not going to binge it. You know, you're going to you're going to enjoy the one meal and you're going to get right back to it. But I think a lot of times uh, these, these we're using excuses to self-sabotage ourselves again. It's yes. a paradigm. Yeah, definitely a paradigm and a generational paradigm. You know, yes. as we spoke about earlier, what we are like as children. And, and I don't know about your family being middle class, but there was a lot of um, scarcity and poverty uh, mindset and fear yeah. growing up through my family, not intentional by um, my parents, but it was just being passed down the line. And I've had to work really hard to not let that overcome for years, to not let that overcome me, hoping that it doesn't pass on to my children so they don't go into life as adults with that same scarcity fear mindset. Yeah, you got to resurrect that. That's what you're doing. You're resurrecting that from the pattern that generations held. And it's up to you to resurrect it, otherwise it'll just be repeated. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, definitely. There's so many generational paradigms that need breaking, and I guess it can only be done when we actually do the work ourselves. And you were talking about all the decisions that you make when when you don't love yourself and you do sabotage yourself. There's a ripple effect, and that can be a negative ripple effect, or it can be a positive one if you are making those decisions that you talked about that are all around loving and respecting yourself and your body as a person. So with your massive journey, talk to us about your lows, because you've obviously had some amazing highs that we've, we've spoken about, but what have been some of your lowest points in your own journey? Well, the one I talked about of being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and autoimmune disease, that's incurable, they said, and terminal, that was pretty low. Um, a low, a low, a low, another, how about this low? It's a low that no one would understand. And I felt no one would understand. It was, how about this low? When I succeeded and I was very successful and millions of the bank paid for house, Lamborghini in the garage, wife check. I checked, kids, check, I checked off all the boxes. How about this low? You check off all the boxes that you thought needed to be checked off for happiness and you find yourself equally as depressed and unsatisfied. So that was a low. And that's why I started the I Am Hero Project because I realized in that moment, those boxes, there's no checking off boxes, number one. And number two, those boxes, I, I was, I felt that once you check off the boxes, there was boxes to check. But it, all it was was it was pressure or not, not pressure, um, just super, just imposed values of society. Yeah. Thinking that, well, once this, that painted a picture that allowed me to paint a picture from movies and religion and belief systems that, oh, OK, this is the picture of success. So you're going for this picture of success that you created in your mind from outside influences and you reach it and you're like, ah, OK, what's like if you're not there's something off. And uh, then I had to go through the journey of trying to find out who the hell I really was and what I really wanted in life. And I made a lot of decisions such as and this is why I, this is just everybody's listening. Fatima told me, is there anything off the table? I'm like, absolutely not, because what I'm about to talk about um, is true and you have to you have to know where I'm coming from. So at about 35 years old, I really st- I, I wasn't going through a midlife crisis. I was coming into a crisis of self 
where I started realizing what happens. I started taking time for myself. I started reading books. I started meditating. I started having personal time and I started finding conflicts of what I truly was about, what I truly spiritually uh, wanted and, and desired versus the life I was living. That I was really imposed by other people. And none of these none of these things were bad. I was not drinking or doing drugs. No, 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 no. It was just like I was wearing a secret identity. What is a secret identity? It's a less than watered down version of your truth. It's 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 you, but it's not really you. All right. It's 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 everybody else's opinion of what you should be. And at 35, I was questioning my relationships and my marriage. But I was like, well, you know, I mean, I got I, I'm, I'm not a quitter. I'm going to stay in my marriage. And it wasn't that I didn't love my, uh, Whitney and uh or my kids but i just was like i was questioning i was auditing my life and i realized like wow a lot of these decisions i made were out of fear they were out of scarcity um they were out of fear of being uh, i was at a certain age in my life so at a certain age i had to get married at a certain age i had to have children like you know i just realized like the reasons why i did certain things were really rooted in garbage it was rooted in fear scarcity what i was what everybody thought i should do and I, but it wasn't really my my highest choice or my happiest choice. And I'm not condoning you know, like your relationship, but like you know, I I actually got married in my late 20s because a I felt that I had to be married before 30. B I felt I would be alone the rest of my life. I had this weird thing that I would and I'd be alone. And I met someone who was a really good person and felt like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna catch the chips in on this person. And but I but here's the thing, Fatima, I didn't know what the hell love was. Like, what the hell was up? I had no freaking clue what it was. And even now, I'm just maybe possibly getting around to what it is. Because all of us, if we say, write your definition of love, we're all going to have a different definition because of what the baggage it holds. So I realized, like, for me to say I love someone at 27, I had no damn clue what love was. Yeah. No, I was a routine guy, right? So I didn't know. I didn't know. Like, I, I think I I think I did. I, I, I acted the best I can, but I realized that. I really had a really good business relationship. So when Whitney and I got married, we had a very good business relationship. We started the business. We did amazing. What an amazing time of our lives. So do you see, I'm not I'm not saying any negative about that relationship. It was just a, a chapter of a, a business partnership, though. We had kids to check off the boxes, right? Check, check. Time to get kids. Good business. Financially secure. Get the kids. And then um, – it, but it, it was it was not that it was not I, I noticed in people they had a relationship or chemistry together that I was like, wow, I had everything in the world, finances, you name it, success, but not this chemistry that people had. And I realized that chemistry is a real thing. It's it's something that, you know, I, I get to meet a lot of people. You know, I talked about the buffet of life and I saw their relationships and I realized that, well, I didn't have that type of relationship. And I realized I didn't have that relationship because I didn't want to, you know, meaning that it's guys, it's easy to get roses for your partner it's easy to buy a card it's easy to go on a date night right it's not tough why didn't i do it and i had to come to the conclusion because i didn't want to i took 100 percent responsibility of that because that person i was with we both were not really for each other and we evolved we evolved out of each other in, in a loving way we're still very very good friends but like i realized it's so it's it's that's a low moment a low moment is to have everything you want and you realize the one thing that you can have is something that Wow, you know, I don't have a certain type of relationship that in my mid 30s I started to understand. Wow, this is the type of person I would uh, co uh, co create with. This is the type of person I I would have a relationship with. This is the type of uh, qualities I enjoy. Because at 27 I just didn't know, and here I I jumped into something not realizing how serious marriage is, how important marriage is, how much hard work marriage is, how much effort, like all these things that I clearly wasn't didn't know what I was getting into or willing to do. And, 
I mean, there was no infidelity. There was no anything wrong with that. But it was definitely the feeling of, wow, did I make a decision that I have to be unhappy with for the rest of my life? That was a low moment because I was raised in a religion where God hates divorce. I don't think divorce is good at all, but it's like, well, wait a second. It's like I'm myself and my and Whitney, we're not going to be unhappy the rest of our life because of a choice we made that we could honestly feel that we evolved out of. So we we graciously and very amicably, uh, you know, dissolved it and in such a really great way. And she she has found and met people and like she learned what she really appreciated, and loved. And I did from that experience. And I'm just saying that's a low moment. You could have low moments hitting success and realizing that there's still parts of your life. But the low moment is being like, wow, feeling in prison be like, wow, I got to pay for this choice. It's not a prison. So you might evolve out of a relationship here. Here's the deal. If 50% of people are getting divorced, you know, the other 50% are just hanging in there, most of them, right? So it's like, I, I think for me personally, I uh, I got into a relationship for all the wrong reasons, and it, it, and it was just a very good business partner relationship with someone who's a very good person, but it really wasn't my highest, it wasn't either of our highest choices. So that was a low, that was a low point. The low point, the low point was realizing that. And the low point was going through something amicably, but knowing that your religion disapproves, your parents disapprove, society disapproves. But knowing that I would rather take all their disapproval than to um, continue on, uh, you know, uh, not not having my highest choice. So that's also low. That's a low moment as well. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I know I'm sitting here nodding my head going, yep, I understand. Yes, I've been there. I know so many people listening. Just what you shared there will resonate so much with them and maybe even have them questioning some of their own choices, um, their choices to stay or go in a relationship, in um, in a job, in anything in life in particular. So I guess so many people stay in something that they don't love and and it doesn't have that chemistry, whether it's a relationship or or a career or a business, um, out of that fear. And yes. like you mentioned, or checking all those boxes, so many of us do it. I mean, I also came from a um, Catholic background and, you know, same thing, you know, you get married, you stay married. And I had the fairy tale, same thing, you know, 16 years of age with my husband and I stayed until 31 because I thought, nope, you've got to stay together. You've got to keep the marriage. You've had, had kids. You just have to make it work. And there was this epiphany one day where I just went, oh, my God, I saw myself at the age of 50 or something and the impact um, that was going to have on my children being raised in a particular home and going, actually, this isn't for the better of my children or myself or the community at large and had just had to make that decision to um, to move on. So thank you so much for everything that you just shared. It's absolutely yeah. gold. With your... You talked about checking off the boxes, you know, getting the car, the house, the Lamborghini, all that sort of stuff, and still feeling empty in a way. What was missing for you? Because I know that legacy is important to you now, isn't it? You talk about legacy quite a lot with your hero project. Yeah. Yeah. Living legacy, living legacy. Um, a lot of times people refer to legacy as something that happens after you die. But I think that sucks. I don't. I, I want to live it when I'm alive. So it's actually creating a legacy now, you know, not waiting till you're dead. Enjoying it now. Look at Stan Lee, the uh, the cartoonist, right? His Marvel. He was able to see his entire creation of Marvel and act and be in the movies and see his creation come alive. You got Martin Luther King that didn't. You know, I think it's a lot more fun to see your legacy when you're alive. My uh, thing that was missing is I questioned my purpose and I uh, 
you know, my purpose, you got to realize your purpose is your purpose. It's a selfish purpose. It has to be. And a lot of time, right? We grew up in a certain way where no, no, no. Pride is bad. Ego is bad. Selfish is bad. But when you realize, when you live for a purpose that is focused on others outside of you, then um, it, it just, it runs out of steam versus like there's a selfish purpose. So I, what was my purpose? Well, to help people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to see people live better lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then finally, my purpose just came out of me. You know, I want to be able to do things. You know, I want to be admired for doing things in the world that's never been done before. And you know, when I went and I realized that it's like, yeah, I know it sounds selfish, but I want to be admired and known for doing something in the world that's never seen before. Like, and I think everybody wants to be appreciated for what they do, right? Everything would love to have some admiration on doing a good job. Everybody wants to make an impact in the world and be acknowledged for it. But a lot of times, remember, in our mediocre society, you know, it's not, you know, no, you don't want to be under the line. No, no, like everybody, a kid, when we were kids, we enjoyed it. I remember when we were kids, we would bring home artwork that looked like crap, but we were so proud of it, right? So it's like, yeah, you know, and then I looked up the definition of admired, um, contribution, achievement. And I typed in those words and I saw the definition of hero. And hero is one who is admired or idolized for courage, um, uh, c- courage, contribution, and achievement, outrageous achievement, and noble qualities. So, uh, you know, hero is one who is idealized, uh, idealized or admired for courage, contribution, outrageous achievement, and nobility. And when I looked at that definition, you know, like, and the way you know you're on the right path is you get friggin' excited. You get happy. You could be exhausted, and it's like someone put jet fuel into you. I was like, oh, oh my God. I go, that is the most beautiful purpose statement I ever had. Yeah. I want to be admired or idolized for courage, contribution, outrageous achievement, and nobility. It was just like a, it was like a manifesto. It was like a war cry. And I got so excited about that, and I felt the calluses. I felt the, the disengagement. I felt the numbness that I was doing to protect this secret identity I had fall off, fall away. And I realized that, you know, I worked out to look like a hero. I wore superhero pajamas when I was a kid. You know, I beat a, I, you know, I, I beat a life-threatening disease uh, to later on to become a doctor to go save people's lives. So I had the achievements. See, I checked off the boxes. I had, I had the achievements. I had the admiration from my peers. But what I didn't have is I didn't have the courage. And it was the courage to allow myself, my true self, to do and evolve and to create what I was truly created to do. And because I live that secret identity, I, I, I found my identity in my job. Like a lot of people, right? Well, I have a great job. It's got good pay, good benefits. So you find your identity in your job. So for me to do something that was outside of my realm meant me losing my identity if I get out of my lane. And then my other secret identity was I never would accept appreciation or thank from my peers or my patients. So someone would say, thank you so much, team. I appreciate you so much. You helped me. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, that was God. He helped you. Or no, no, no. Like I became, I, I, I lived in um, false humility. I would not, I, I did not allow myself to ex- express or experience or actually accept love and appreciation from people. And let me tell you, do that false humility bullshit lie we have been taught in teachers and preachers and dogmas and religions and movies and whatever, because I did not accept that thankfulness, that appreciation, that acknowledgement, and I kept on deflecting it, it destroyed my personal esteem, my self-value, and the value of what I was able to bring to people. It was one of the most destructive mechanisms because I was afraid of ego and pride, not knowing that pride and ego are essential tools to be able to build your self-esteem and self-awareness. So here, I developed all the success, but I wasn't even allowing myself to uh, ex- experience love and, and, and appreciation from people. 
And so that's when I made a decision to destroy that and move forward and help people take authority of their lives to wake up heroes out of the secret, you know, a secret identity that they're living so they can live heroic lives again. Because I believe that all of you listening, you were born and you were created for amazing things and you were born with seeds of greatness and uh, you have the potential to live that out and live the life you were created to have. I, for one, am so grateful that you um, found your courage because not only have you made your life so much more amazing and whole by doing that, but the amount of lives as a result that you have impacted and changed, I, I would have no idea. I'd have no clue. I mean, you'd have more of an idea, but changing one life is changing many. So thank you for doing that, for sharing all of that. I know so many people that are exterior on the exterior successful have the same sort of experience, that same false humility and not being able to um, accept a compliment because they don't really believe um, they're worthy. And like you said, you know, it was God, it was this, it was that. It wasn't actually me, but this is actually you. You are changing lives. I'm so grateful for the time that you've spent with us today. Uh, where can people connect with you, Dr. Chris? Oh, well, the best way to do it, I have something for you guys if you enjoy any of this. If any of this resonated with you, first of all, um, highly, highly rank and uh, give uh, as, as many stars and comment on this podcast so uh, so more people could see it. Number two, if you go to IamHero.com, so it's IamHero.com, uh, you could get access to – I have a master class on there that goes more deeper into some of the stuff we said. Uh, and also you have access to something called my Hero Secret Sauce. It's, it's five main principles that I distilled down so that you could start applying in your life today to start winning really big in your life. And then, you know, you'll be able to have access to that. So that's my gift to you. And if you want to, you know, you got social media platforms. Instagram is probably the best because Facebook, you know, I, I like to save time, right? So the, uh, Instagram is just quicker and you'll have better content. And all my content you see on Instagram, because I understand your time is your most valuable commodity. You'll never get it back. So if you spend even 30 seconds on my content, it's all geared with that, with that in, in, in my mind that I know your time's valuable, like you're listening right now, that it's going to help move you forward. You know, everything's there to help move you forward. It's to change your state. It's to get you It's to get you to realize your truth and uh, as appreciation. And I, I answer every single one of my comments on my DMs. That's always me. It's not some uh, – I don't have anybody managing – I have someone managing my account, but I, I answer all the, the comments. So please follow me there at Dr. Zaino, D-R-Z-A-I-N-O. Beautiful. I'll pop um, all of those links into the comments and into the show notes so people can follow. And honestly, if um, anyone says they didn't get anything out of what you shared, they must have been asleep through this whole interview. So once again, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor. Oh, honor. And I received that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I truly hope you have found it beneficial and have taken some value from it. Hopefully a lot. If you did, please, please share this show with anyone you feel may need to hear it. I would also absolutely love if you would take a minute or two to review this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever platform you happen to be listening to it on. With your help, we can accomplish my mission to positively impact 10 million lives. That would be so awesome. Now, if you want to connect with me or my guests on other platforms, or if you want to send me an email with questions or ideas of guests to interview, please check out the show notes. I am so incredibly grateful to have had your time today and I can't wait to have you on the next episode. Have a great day.